Do you like sports but hate physical activity? Well, boy, do I have some news for you. Welcome to the Analog Sticks Podcast, where this week we're figuring out what's the deal with sports games. I don't know. Actually, I do know, but we're all about to find out together. Welcome back to the Analog Sticks Podcast. Thank you guys very much for joining us today. Whether you're new or returning, whatever you may be, hit the, hit the button to do the engagement. That'd be cool. That'd be really cool. I'd appreciate it. Nonetheless, my name is Rusty. This is my co-host, Cody. Hey. How are you doing today, good sir? I am doing fan-freaking-tastic. I got homework assignments done in between my classes. I went out and bought some stuff for our bathroom like a real adult. Great day so far. Dude, what does it feel like to be so productive? Yesterday, I went to the bathroom twice and called that a good day. <laughs> um, it's tiring. After, the, after this recording, I'm definitely going to crash. Yeah, and it's only 7.16 and we're only going to go for an hour, so that's really saying something. You must be a really sleepy boy. You could <laughs> say that. <laughs> what about you? Okay, we got a lot to talk about and not a whole lot of time, though, but we can talk about me if you really want to hear it. I, uh, I worked. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing worked. crazy happened. My fiance, news for people who don't know, is pregnant. We are expecting a child. She mm-hmm. is with child. She's having a rough day, so I'm going to be good fiance as soon as we finish this recording, because, you know, priorities and all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I gotta do some stuff, but then that's basically it. I haven't had anything crazy going on other than the fact that, you know, there's a baby in my fiancé, so that's cool. Nice. <laughs> Alright, now we can go ahead and get into this. Cody, would you like to preface our conversation here? Yeah, so today's episode, I think, it, besides the interview we did, this is gonna be our most different type of episode, so I felt like a, a preface would be good. Um, as a heads up, we're about to critique a massively flawed corner of the video game industry. And we're going to come at this from the perspective of um, uh, hardcore gamers. Uh, Nintendo's not that hardcore, but I guess you could call us that. Um, so these games we're about to talk about, we're, we're definitely not the target audience. Uh, so if you're really into these games, if you're buying them year after year, um, no shame in that. Let us know if you catch us being wrong about anything. Uh, if we're going to criti- criticize something, I really want to make sure that we're getting our facts right. Yep, whether you're YouTube or the podcast feed, you can feel free to reach out to us somehow on Twitter or in a comment or re- review, whatever it may be. Yeah, we I just want to kind of jump we? back. We, I don't think we have an email yet. Oh. I've been using mine. <laughs> Nonetheless, <laughs> Twitter, comments, all that stuff. And I just want to say, jump back real quick. While you may not buy or play these games, I'd like to interject that I genuinely do enjoy a lot of them. I still play MLB The Show somewhat regularly to this day. And I even had a phase when I was a young lad where I had to have the newest Madden game every year in my early teens. I'm not proud of that, but I've learned the flaws with the system. I've learned the flaws with the logic, and I've learned to be better less expensive, and, you know, saving money and not spending $60 to get the newest football game every year. Um, I would hope that my view on sports games should be healthy, kind of 
I, I, I don't know. I think I have a more healthy relationship with it, and I would like to think that this is kind of what people should strive for, and our goal in this whole thing. I like to think I'm the happy middle and the sports fan Venn diagram, sports fan gamer Venn diagram there. Yeah. It's a mess. I, I'm always but... the kind of person to look for compromise, but if you want, I can be the foil and be like 100% against it in this episode. <laughs> I think I think based on what we have researched, we actually did research, by the way. Yeah. Um, I think that you're gonna get our they're gonna get our opinions nonetheless. <laughs> I don't yeah. think either of us need to play the heel. But before we get into this, Cody, what are your experiences with sports games? Anything? <laughs> experiences with sports games. Uh, for me, I never, I never did the the typical triple A type. I did a lot of uh, Nintendo, so like Super Mario Strikers. Mario Tennis. Great game. My cousins had uh, Mario and Sonic at the Olympics, and I would play that. So mm. I'm not I'm not really playing sports simulators, you know? I'm just playing sport games. Oh, yeah. And those Mario sports games, even stuff like Backyard Baseball, which is kind of a happy medium between the true simulator and then just Nintendo getting wacky with it. I mean, they all have their place, but today I think we are going to be focusing more on the simulators. You know, your Madden, MLB The Show, NBA 2K, FIFA, NHL, all that kind of stuff. So yeah. we, we can go ahead and start getting into this. If you don't know about sports games in general, they are truly ridiculous when they zoom out. In all honesty, if a sport exists, odds are there's a game for it. Yeah. Like, water polo. There's somebody developing a water polo video game. There are horseshoes video games. Tennis, like just just anything you can think of. Do you there's think there's a whole game? Do you think there's a pickleball game? If not, I we need to make that. I actually looked it up. There are pickleball games. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I don't know if they're good, but they exist. So you're right. Like there's literally a game for any sport, unless you know you made the sport up the other day. In which case, give it a month. It will be a game for it. Mm-hmm. You just got somebody's got to get wind of it. Who knows how to work zeros and ones, but. It's fun stuff. Yeah. Now, um, <laughs> while we're in this space right here, let me very awkwardly interject with some sport game history so that our audience can get um, some nice context Nerd. about what we're talking about. Yeah, this is uh, the nerdy part of it. This is for all my nerds out here. I researched history. <laughs> um, sport games are deeply intertwined with video games in general. In fact, some of the first electromechanical games, like the the first type of games that used electricity were sports simulators like skee-ball um, and some early versions of foosball. And those were popular in very early, like, carnival-type arcades. Those, from the, like, 1920s, ended up evolving into the type of games that we saw in early arcades like Pong. Uh, so that's the, that's the connection there. And then, of course, everyone knows Pong. Pong is what really... I think got the attention of most people when it came to video games way back when. Uh, so, I mean, right from the start, sports and video games have, have always had this close relationship. I mean, then you can jump into just a little bit more of the history that I know. You jump into the late 80s, you get, like, Tech Mobile, and oh, then going a little yeah. further down the line, you've got, like, NBA Jam. Yes! As long as games have existed, there have been sports games. Some better than others, Tech Mobile being a good example. <laughs> um, so I have an older brother who's got those, the older 90s games that I was too young to play. From my own experience and from the research, I do feel like the 90s were this kind of peak in video game, uh, sport video games. Oh yeah. 
there were there were a few good ones to come after that. I mean, I'm thinking like NBA Street Volume Two. I think I don't know what year that came out, but I know it was on the PS2. I think that's one that's widely regarded as a good sports game. Mm-hmm. But today, though, we're not going to be focusing on the odd one-offs like horseshoes or water polo or Mario Super Sluggers. We're going to be talking about the big boys. If you haven't guessed it, we already told you. Get your brain on right. We'll be focusing on the annual titles of Madden, MLB The Show, EA's NHL, NBA 2K, and FIFA. There's probably one that you're thinking we're missing. Eat a bug. Anyways, <laughs> each of these game series, most of which are developed by EA, I mean FIFA, Madden, and NHL, who we'll touch on in a little bit, but each of these series have a title released annually, usually with minimal changes and tweaks, and in the new version each year, you'll get updated rosters and a few small game ch- gameplay changes here and there, but it's never anything crazy. I mean, the roster changes usually are just retired players are removed from the rosters, rookies and... I don't know, returning players are added, stats are adjusted based on real-world real world performances, and by that, I mean, throughout the launch year, stats are updated as well. I gotta say, real quick, the fact that they remove retired players, I think is a shame. I need, like, an Avengers Endgame version of a sports game, where it's every player ever. Oh, well, you have the we have the legacy characters that will appear in some of these games. It's like, oh, you can get this special edition 1999 Pedro Martinez card and use him in your team. And it's like, okay. Oh, oh okay. cards. We'll get more on that later. <laughs> well, we'll touch on that. But anyways, like I was saying, the stats get adjusted, which is a cool little touch there. Um, like, take Aaron Judge of the New York Yankees, for instance. This season in MLB The Show 2022, he was rated an 89 in March when the game released. He's literally having one of the best seasons a baseball player has ever had. He's being compared to 2004 Barry Bonds wow. and a more common name that everybody should know, 1920s Babe Ruth. Like it's literally on the same caliber there. It's insane. Wow. But long story short, he started at an 89, which is a good ranking in these sports games. He's now up to a 97. <laughs> so until the end of the season, rosters remain fluid to reflect uh, the season that players are having, and the game is like kind of mirroring real world. But once the season ends, odds are nothing else will change, and the devs move on to the next year's title and abandon the game they've heavily been supporting. So picking Aaron Judge when you're building your team, is that like picking Goku if you're in a Dragon Ball fighting game? Kinda. I mean, he's like the best ever. I'm not biased or anything. I mean, I'm a Yankees fan, went to the 2019 ALDS, saw Didi Gregorius hit a grand slam, watched Aaron Judge, sat near the judges' chambers but not in them because I couldn't afford it, and I'm literally watching the Yankee game right now. He did not get a home run tonight thus far, but it's still early. Casual fan. What was was the question? (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on. (laughs) Aaron Judge, good. Okay. Yeah. But I don't know, okay, so, I don't know about you, but this whole thing, I find it ridiculous, the way that they they heavily focus on the game for a year, and then just say, eh, let's move on to the next one. Oh, What yeah. do you think about that whole process? I totally agree. You know, I, so I can appreciate that games like these are constantly tweaking their graphics and gameplay, whatever, you know, they have to make it look better, uh, but really, season to season changes, I feel like, aren't that big of a deal like that could be done with dlcs or update i mean even if it was like a 20 dollars dlc every year i feel like that's not as bad as making you have to go buy a new game each time yeah i mean you could do literally you want to buy the roster for this year pay 10 bucks or whatever it is you want access to online 
there's a season pass for it, which, I mean, we've got our gripes with that, but, I mean, I think that there are much better ways to go about it than releasing essentially the same game with some slight changes and a new roster every single year, especially with some of the things where they tell you to collect and compile stuff throughout the year, and then start from scratch in March or August or whenever it is they release their games. It's gross. But I feel that this whole thing makes no sense on the surface, but if you put on some green-tinted lenses, you'll quickly understand how profitable this garbage can be. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's just take Madden, for instance. This is the big one. It's what a lot of people know, especially in the United States market. FIFA's bigger international, I think. But nonetheless, Madden. It will top the sales chart for the month of its launch. It launched last month, Madden 23 did, mm -hmm. and it topped the sales chart. Crazy how that works. But it's like clockwork. Every year this happens in August. And if you haven't guessed it, that means the NFL, the NFL Players Association, and more importantly, EA make a hefty chunk of change. Yeah, and it's just, it's ridiculous. You already mentioned the idea of a subscription service. There's just, there's literally any other way of doing this is more consumer friendly. And, you know, when I was, when we first started this out, I was thinking, well, this is definitely... You know, it's all about the money. They're they're just doing whatever makes the most money. But you know, digging deeper into how the video game industry works, other companies are doing. Are, they have ways of doing their games that are more consumer friendly, and they're making more money. Like Rockstar with GTA Five. Um, what was the number we found for that? Like six billion uh, from their online sales. It's we found quite a few numbers here. GTA 5 to this day, I believe the article came out last year, so I don't know how accurate it is right now, but as of last year, they were quoted to be making $15,000 every 10 minutes. And that's off the same game that was released years ago. About it's, a decade now. Yeah. Almost to the month. So they're doing fine with in-game purchases. Um, I don't see how the market for a sport video game is any different to where, you know, releasing brand new games makes them more money they could literally do i think we're the geniuses here and there's there's got to be something we're missing it can't be this simple <laughs> we can find better ways to fuck over the consumer yeah seriously i mean what's the whole saying what's the what's the good old phrase commit tax fraud or whatever it is i don't know anyways i found a usa today article a while back that states i'm gonna i'm, I'm gonna drop some numbers here you ready for this yeah. i know numbers are hard i'm not good at math you're the math guy <clears throat> and i'm quoting Madden NFL has generated more than $4 billion since its inception and has sold more than 130 million copies. We just said GTA 5 made $6 billion in 10 years. Madden's been around since 1998. And while the article's from 2021 and the stats given are actually from 2018, let's just put this into perspective real quick. Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is the best-selling game on the Nintendo Switch by a large margin, and as of May of this year, it had sold 45 million copies. Like a that's that's good. That's good, but it's not 130 million. Plus, I mean, I guess Mario Kart's this. It's another game that's been out for 10 years. They re-released it on Switch. Whatever, whatever, whatever. But let's go ahead and break down some of these numbers I listed. I mean, the math here is obviously flawed because I can't find specific year in and year out numbers. And obviously, prices have changed. MSRP's gone mostly up since 1988. And obviously, the numbers aren't there. More people are playing video games now than ever. But if we take the 29 Madden games that have been released as of 2018 when the figures were released, and you divide the $4 billion by 29, 
That suggests that each game nets an average revenue of nearly $138 million. So every year, that's what EA is making from Madden. Do you think they're putting good? in Do you think they're putting in $138 million worth of work? <laughs> Maybe if game? they redo the engine. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe if they redo the engine that they use every for the year. next 10 years. <laughs> Oh, God, it's a mess. Again, the math's obviously flawed. I can't figure out exact numbers. I'm not good at research. But in addition to this, I mean, like I said, the MSRP continues to rise and fall. Games used to be like 30 to 50 bucks. I don't know how much Madden was in 1988. I wasn't alive yet. I was negative 11. <laughs> but I can't really find any crazy information, though. But now I can tell you for a fact that the new Madden games are sold for 60 or 70 bucks and then plummet in price after that, but EA only cares about that first year. But making this averaging isn't exactly perfect. In addition to making about $138 million a year, though, the figures suggest an average of 2.2 million units sold every year. That's Jeez. pretty good. I mean, think about games like Luigi's Mansion for the Switch. I believe that sold at like 2 million its first year. That's, that's a pretty yeah. good game. I mean, these numbers aren't anything like Mario Kart or a big first-person adventure like, say, an Elden Ring or anything like that. And, I mean, there are probably six or so Madden games each console generation, translating to over about $13 million sold each generation, which will roughly translate to one, say, an Elden Ring, for instance. Probably not that one. That one's huge. But, I mean, you get my point here. Madden sells well. Sells really, really, really well. well. And of that 2.2 million figure, how much of that do you think is people like very consistent customers you know buying it every year i mean I looking back on my life for instance i bought well i didn't buy it i was i was but 14 in 2014 i had madden 25 i had madden 15 i had madden 16 and i had madden 17 i went through a phase where i had to have every madden and it was gross but you gotta think they would have only sold one copy if they had it for every generation instead of every year. That's true. But, uh, I, I I still just hate the whole premise. It's it's I'm not a fan. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting a sense of that. <laughs> uh, while it would make clear sense from a consumer perspective to make one game every console generation then repeatedly add the legacy options mm -hmm. for each year and update the rosters and have a season pass for online or whatever it is, the business side will never allow for that to happen, as I'm all but certain that there is some overlap in sales from each generation, like we just said. Not each generation, each year. As well as a fair share of people like myself, who realize you only need one per generation, as it's basically the same game every time. So if you get one on your PS4, you should be good until you get a PS5, and you should be able to survive, unless you're dying for the most fresh online experience at all times. Yeah. And I mean... While there's clear motivation for the devs to crank these games out, I do want to talk about their justifications for this. They'll normally make a few additions to, to the gameplay and maybe some new features here and there and pair that with the new roster and call that enough. And I can recall a few instances where they've added whole new game modes. I mean, mostly a decade ago when they added the whole card mechanics. But I found an article here that states the differences from Madden 22 to Madden 23. You ready to have your socks blown off? Yeah, yeah. How, how different is Madden 23 from Madden 22? Again, this is just a Game Rant article I found, so it might not be 100% accurate. You Madden fanboys can get down in the comments and tell me how wrong I am. But according to this gameplay, Game Rant article, all that's been added from last year's Madden to this year's Madden is new free agency features in franchise mode, improved scouting tactics, and new gameplay animations. 
as well as a new roster, of course. More than half of those sound made up. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, while you may think that's nothing, you're, you're right. These could all be added to Madden 22 in an update, as well as the roster, but profit. <laughs> yeah, all profit. Um, and, and so now, when it comes to who's making these decisions about, you know, how they want to operate this whole joint, uh, it's pretty easy to tell that the guys in suits managing these franchises, um, I don't think any of them have ever been gamers, you know? Um, in fact, I'd say the whole sport ecosystem, it, it's more parallel to the gaming industry than, than a part of it. Um, I, I think shooters like Call of Duty are a bit like this too. Shooters is kind of its more than its own genre. It's almost its own industry within the gaming industry. Um, like, I know a few people where they'll buy the newest console, they'll drop all that money, and literally all they'll get is Madden and Call of Duty. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's crazy. I don't know, it's crazy how how they're able to consistently sell that stuff, and they, they've just found a way to find people with that much disposable income to hand it over to them. I mean, you figure you get the newest Madden and the newest Call of Duty every year, that's 120 bucks a year. I mean, I mean, yeah, that's two games. That's however much you're paying. It might be 140 now with them starting to charge 70 for some stuff. And if you're if you're in that group that's buying the newest uh, Madden and Call of Duty, then you're also buying the newest consoles the year they come out. Uh, or your PC Master Race, which that's a whole nother thing. <laughs> we'll get into that on a later episode, episode 27, PC Master Race. Anyways, you'd think consumers would be smarter to feed, smarter than to feed into this. But as a sports fan, I will say there's a pretty decent appeal to playing with the updated rosters, unfortunately. <laughs> but I think the biggest reason most consumers are fine with this is due to the appeal of online play and the hype cycle. Cody, would you like to sum up the hype cycle and just your general thoughts on how game devs do this with the same thing every single year? The hype cycle. Uh, when I think of the hype cycle, I'm thinking of the, the massive marketing campaigns that I'm sure they put a lot of money into. It's like once a year, it, it, mm. it's kind of like how when you start getting near it, Thanksgiving is kind of overshadowed by all these other holidays around it. But once Thanksgiving comes up, for a few days, it's like, that's all it is. There, mm -hmm. I, there's definitely it's... times where I can tell one of these new games are coming out, because that's all I can hear about for a couple days. I mean, the new Call of Duty is coming out soon, and I follow one YouTube channel that does Call of Duty stuff every now and then. It's not strictly Call of Duty, I don't care about that. But god, they're giving away, like, beta codes and stuff. And they're like, oh my god, look at this new thing here, oh, it's so crazy! It, it's, it's a new gun in Call of Duty. And they're, like, losing their minds. I don't understand it. But the, the devs at Activision or EA or Sony San Diego, who does MLB The Show or 2K, they managed to create hype out of nothing. And I don't understand how they can market these games so well. But I would like to say this translates to some crazy numbers. If you look at the Steam charts for any sports game, it always peaks within the first two months of release. And then it slowly trickles down over the course of the season until that ends. Once the championships, your Super Bowl, your NBA Finals, whatever it is, once that ends, playing on these games tanks, and they basically die. That's because the way these games are marketed, and they're crazy good at creating hype, like we said. Mm -hmm. And with that, I mean, you'll see the next year, right before the new game launches, everybody's like, hey, let me jump back in that old one for a little bit. 
and then you'll see a little spike in the Steam charts right before the new game releases. And then once it does release, it tanks again, and that's it. So Bury Madden 22, we're all in on Madden 23. Mind if I cut in and interrupt you here? Go for what it. What I'm hearing is that, so even if you are a player who, who wants to save some money and just stick with one of the games for a few years, if you're into online play, it's going to be really tough. Because they're they're working so hard to get everybody to move on. So once the next game is out, you're left in the dust if you haven't bought it. Well, they keep the online servers up, but you're well, not yeah, getting new events, like, and they're not, not adding anything new, and uh, it, it's it's crazy. I could save the conversation on how these communities are for another day. I'll leave it at saying it's simply unpleasant how people in these communities behave, and the fact that they do put peer pressure on people to get the most recent game. Mm -hmm. It's more than unpleasant, and these games, I, I do want to talk about this, they encourage collection annually. Usually in their biggest modes, such as Diamond Dynasty and MLB The Show, or Ultimate Team in the EA titles, and they encourage competition and events, like I was saying, with limited collections and whatnot, and this is where we can kind of get into some of those predatory practices, and I'd say it's almost like freemium and all that stuff. If you're not familiar with freemium, the whole concept, Arlo, he does a lot of Nintendo stuff, he has a very good video explaining Pokemon Unite and how microtransactions are, like, genuinely corrupt and it's it's tough but madden ultimate team and diamond dynasty and all these other stuff all these other things every one of these games has a mode like this where people can put in money to succeed or you can put in so much time it's unfathomable to succeed if not you're going to be bad and it's going to be frustrating which is the main reason i don't even dabble with these modes anymore it's just so gross <laughs> but i would say like the whole thing with these is just the predatory practices of the way that they handle the microtransactions and the collection, and the fact that it's all dumped after a year is just disgusting. W would you categorize these as predatory practices, or am I out of my mind here? Oh, I, I would certainly characterize it as predatory. Um, my thought is, you know, as we, we're, we're about the, at the halfway point, and I want to make clear that I don't, I, I don't want to just shit on the on the people who buy these games, you know, the target audience. Um, because for me, I would almost, like, I'm more upset at the company, you know, than the people buying these games. I, I hear online all the time, like, where are people buying these? Like, just stop buying them. But what I think people miss is that the targeted market for these games, they're, they're not fully aware of how raw of a deal these games are. Uh, generally, at least from what I understand, the the average consumer of these type of games actually have a social life and are not living online. So they're, they're just not fully aware of, of the ways that uh, these companies manipulate them to keep buying these games. You know, they're, they don't have the time to research what's the best game to get. They're, they're doing, they're, they're living their social, you know, out there lives. And then when it comes time to buy the game, all that marketing Ooh, comes new down. Madden. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Every year, like clockwork. Oh, man, I gotta get the new game. Yeah. It's terrible. It's so bad. I mean, if you really want to look into it, there are a ton of good resources out there that explain how some of these practices work and how they encourage people to spend more money than they want. There, There's so much out there. In, in a few minutes, we're, we're going to go over the specifics of of what they do to implement those, like, casino-style strategies, right? 
Yeah, I, I would like to touch on the gameplay, though, because, I mean, I am a sports fan. I just went on my whole thing about Aaron Judge and the Yankees. I'm a big baseball fan. I, I could care less for football, basketball. Hockey's fun, too, but I, I don't have the time for it. I do for baseball, though, which is apparently the most time-consuming sport. But anyways, the gameplay is obviously limited in these realistic titles, as the games the sports are based on don't change that often. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you're basing a sport... You're basing a game on a sport that is unchanged, so what are you supposed to change? Do you think it, it's... when the NFL has to make decisions on, like, the specifics of certain rules, or they update the rules, do you think the the devs, like, have to go in and update those rules in the game, too? They most certainly do, and that's about <laughs> all they do for the new title, but that's that's beyond the point here. Let's just zoom out for a second here and be honest. Madden 23 and Tecmo Bowl are not all that dissimilar gameplay-wise. Yeah. Cody, have you ever played Tecmo Bowl by chance? Um, man, I I don't know where it was at or whose it was. It might have been, like, a family friend or something. They had the old handheld tech mobile. That, that thing was so cool. I would just sit there. I didn't even know how to play it. I just pressed buttons. But I like to watch the football go around. It's, it's a good time. There's appeal to it. And Madden 23 is a glowed-up version of tech mobile. Mm-hmm. Bite me. It doesn't have Bo Jackson, though, so it's inferior. But anyways... That's where the fun spinoffs come into play. Um, the, the ones that come to my mind are Backyard Sports titles and the Mario sports games, and they usually take the formula of the sport and add some wacky gimmicks, usually geared more so, to, more so towards kids, and I think these are great to grow sports as like a marketing campaign to build fans, and they're normally still fun years later. I mean, there is still an audience for the original Backyard Baseball, but I can personally recall having the Wii in the living room, as a young lad, and we had Madden 08 and Backyard Baseball 09 on the shelf. Being 10 years old at the time, I never touched Madden. It was difficult. I didn't understand football that well. But Backyard Baseball, on the other hand, I put so much time into, and I really came to appreciate the officially licensed roster. I remember grinding to unlock Babe Ruth and Derek Jeter, and then crushing baseballs with Alex Rodriguez and tearing it up with dudes like Jake Peavy on the mound. And additionally, in 2009, the year I had that game, the Yankees played the Phillies in the World Series, and I remember locking into that as I had an appreciation for some players on both sides, more so the Yankees, Yankees fan, all that stuff, but Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez on the Yankees. Then there was Ryan Howard and Chase Utley on the Phillies. I'm like, oh, these guys are good. I know their stats in that game but it, it, it's just so much fun and it really helped me build my appreciation for the game also the yankees being good also helped but that's another we'll that talk really about iconic that another time. time for the yankees wasn't it it's so good so good i mean it's not as iconic as those late 90s dynasty teams but it's still a very good time in my head at least but another series i really look back on fondly is mario strikers and mario sluggers now you'd said you had some experience with mario strikers let, oh, let, let me hear dude. about that mario strikers is the freaking goat of sport games in my opinion i you know i i usually don't play sport games that often and i certainly don't play actual sports to be honest uh but this yeah, game... you don't have wrists it's tough to bend <laughs> This game I would play all day with my older brother when we were little. Um, it what I love most about it is how it it's a video game, you know. So it's not trying to be realistic soccer. It, it's a Nintendo having fun with it with all these extra new mechanics that you could never do in real life. That's what really made it super fun for me. Uh, Mario Tennis is good too. Um, so are the Olympic games. I already mentioned those. It, I, I think I mean, even Mario Golf. Oh, dude, golf games. Uh, oh, 
like golf RPG games, any kind, I'm down to play. I love those. Um, yeah, sport, I mean, sport games in the hands of a company like Nintendo, where it is player experience and gameplay first. Uh, I, I think they're fantastic. I mean, we talked about gar- golf RPGs there. There's a new one. Good friend of the program, Mark Sparling, who did the music for A Short Hike, recently did the music for another game called Cursed to Golf. That's right. It's an indie go- golf RPG, and it looks like so much fun. I just don't have any money to put into it right now. You know, child on the way and all that stuff. It's there's so much good to be had, but for some reason people want the realistic version. It's like I have friends who are like, Ugh, I can't do Nintendo games. Breath of the Wild's too cartoony. I'm like, <laughs> get over yourself. It's fun. But yet they'll sit there and watch South Park, and I'm like, but South Park's not too cartoony, huh? Okay, whatever. It's almost like know. these games are it they they found a way to sell games to people who don't like video games. That's exactly what it is. I mean, as for more of these core sports franchise games, so your Maddens, your FIFAs, all that stuff, it usually is just a realistic simulation of the sport without much added, unlike the Mario sports games where they'll add items and all this crazy stuff and you can tackle anybody at any time and there's super strikes and all that stuff. This is just kicking a ball down a field, throwing it. Oh, interception. Oh my god. Home run. No way. And you're literally just playing a realistic football match or a baseball game, which would likely get a little boring over time. So that's where these side modes come into play. One of which that uses the freemium practices I mentioned earlier, that we've established as disgusting, and have morals that are questionable at best, is some kind of a card collecting or team building mode. That's your ultimate teams in the EA titles, Diamond Dynasty and MLB The Show, or My Team and NBA 2K. It's, ugh, there's so much wrong here. It has the same ideals as mobile games, where you don't need to put any money into them to play. Well, except you do need to actually buy the game. You yeah. don't need to put any money into play or succeed, though, once you have the game. It's just there. And there's a temptation to buy random packs with in-game currency that can be purchased with real money and is ultimately less than a good faith, good faith business practice. I won't get in too deep here, but there are a ton of videos that do really good explaining how gross these practices are. Arlo's Unite video, and there's a whole bunch that just really stick out in my head. But additionally, I do want to say there are gambling help resources. If you're one of those people that sunk hundreds, if not thousands of dollars into Madden or FIFA or NHL, there are resources to get help. I don't want to get too deep here because I'm not good at that. No shame if you've done that, you know, like... As long as you recognize that you would like to spend less money on that kind of thing, if you do. I mean, you know, then... I hate to say it like this, but you are the victim. You were the target of this plot to get people to spend more money on a game with minimal rewards. Oh yeah, and... let me let me interject real quick. So I'm uh, right now, you know, I'm studying design in college. Um, my one of my professors worked in the casino industry for a couple years, and he told us about that. And he was pretty frank about how he. He just quit it because he couldn't get over how bank morally bankrupt the whole industry is. Uh, and we see that in video games now, too. Like, the fact that they have these card packs where you're not sure what you're going to get, that is all entirely designed to to mess with your brain chemistry and, and give you that little rush every time you buy one. Um, this is more than just the cards. It's how they gussy it up, too. They they found the, the precise way to decorate this whole thing to make it feel more valuable than it is 
you put that very eloquently, and I'm jealous because I'm never going to be able to talk as good as you, but I have wrists that move, so fuck off. <laughs> Do I not have... <laughs> we established this, you don't have wrists. You don't have wrists. I don't have wrists. No, I... <laughs> That's why Cody hates the Wii. He I, hates Nintendo hate in general because I keep putting motion controls in and he can't just flick his wrist. He has to move his whole arm. <laughs> it's a violent motion. I've seen it. <laughs> Why are you laughing? It's not funny. Anyways, back to card collecting. You're essentially playing to earn currency to purchase packs and or bid in auctions for better cards, which can be better players, equipment, perks, uniforms, stadiums, or just about anything else you can imagine. I think you can even get, like, quote-unquote advertising deals in MLB The Show, which gets you, like, more in-game currency if you do this in your game. You know how there's always some crazy marketing scheme at the game, like if you go to a minor league baseball game, hit the ball here and a fan wins $1,000. Yeah. It's like, if you hit three home runs in a game, you get a thousand stubs, which are the currency you know in MLB I, show. I like that. I like the idea of if you do some cool random thing in the game, then you're rewarded. Um, it's it, usually not that cool, though. It's usually just steal two bases. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, it were only that, then this would be awesome. But of course it's yeah, not. And, and it's still going back to the whole random loot boxes i mean they're disguised as packs of cards but i mean it's the same thing you're trying to build the best team and you're trying to get around i mean you're not trying to surpass skill but essentially there are people who have more time to put into the game who will always be better than you and this is kind of like the way to just get ahead of that and it, i'm not a fan of these modes they're usually hyper competitive and in my opinion the most frustrating and the least fun in case you can't tell it's kind of a mad because bad thing, but that's kind of the story of my life. I'm an angry little guy. I'm, I'm the South Pole elf or whatever that elf reference is. This is true. But, Russ is very little. Yep, I'm 4'9 I'm in a good day, but I'm 6'4 in jeans, so I've got that going for me. <laughs> Anyways, oh God, I start out, and they always put you against people who are like a step above just starting out, so it's like impossible to get going. They're like, oh, buy some packs, and you can beat these people, and then you can get into the events, and that's where it really starts to get fun. But then as you're trying to compete against people who are trying to do the exact same thing you are, and it's like a death match. It's like you put two gladiators in there in the Roman Colosseum, and you're like, oh, who can do it better and succeed and survive? It's literally... Uh, it drives me nuts. I hate it. I hate it so much. I hate everything about it. Let me do create a player and move on. <laughs> create a player. What a what a neat little nice thing about these games. One little that, tiny yeah. gem in a big pile of shit. I mean, I, I love create a player, and even franchise modes. They're, they're a lot of fun. I mean, let's go ahead and touch on the franchise modes first. <laughs> Those often have you take over a team and run it as if it was your own. You now own this team. Yeah. And you can you can assign whatever you want to do. Like, there's different levels to it. You can do it to where you're just playing the games. You can do it to where you're doing, like, the manager duties, where you're making substitutions, changing lineups, and all that stuff. You can do general manager duties, where you're trading and signing players and making decisions with minor leagues and stuff like that. Or you can do, like, owner of the team, which is just everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's the, like you also get to do, like, the stuff dealing with money and all that crazy stuff. Yeah, it's the, it's, the it's whole, cool. The whole simulator idea of not just playing the game, but, like, simulating the experience of running the team, um, I think that's a fantastic, you know, subject to turn into a game. Yeah, if these if if the practices 
of these kind of games weren't so bad, uh, I would be all over this. I mean, I own MLB 22 on Switch strictly because I wanted to do a franchise with the modern players and all that stuff. Plus, I found it on sale, and I'm like, I can't pass this up. It's on Switch. I can play it in bed if I want to. It, it's so much fun, though. I personally, like I was saying, I love taking my favorite players, putting them all on one team, and just seeing how good I can do regardless of their skill. <laughs> like, I listen to a podcast. Shout out The Compound with Ian Happ, Zach Short, and Dakota Mekas. Mm-hmm. Ian Happ is a very good outfielder for the Chicago Cubs. Zach Short and Dakota Mekas, they are minor leaguers. Short's had his cup of tea in the big leagues, and he is on my team as my starting shortstop. Despite him not being all well-rated in the show because they don't understand how good the compound is. But <laughs> I love just taking players I like and making them my team. You know, it's players, players have physical stats of how well they do in the game. There should be, like, hidden stats that have to do with their personality. And so if you put too many <laughs> big, really good players together, maybe the game would make it so their personalities clash, and they end up oh, sucking the, as a team. Are you familiar with the Derek Jeter-Alex Rodriguez drama? I am not, but I know about, um, what team was it? Was it the Lakers in football, where they put together <laughs> uh, some of the biggest football players at the time, and then it just did not work? I hate to break it to you, Cody. The Lakers are not a football team. Sorry, I, I meant to say basketball. I, yes, I don't they are a basketball team. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, they did do that. But I, I can kind of run through the Jeter A-Rod drama real quick. Yeah. I'm not going to go crazy with it because that is a big thing. Basically, Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez both came up in the late 90s and they were both like future generational talents. Oh my God. And they were really good friends. And then... Derek Jeter was kind of keep your head down, focus on winning, always be doing better. Kind of like Kobe Bryant in that same mentality. Yeah, You got to focus on improving day in and day out. Alex Rodriguez was, I'm the best and I don't care what anybody else says. And Jeter's like, put your head down, focus on winning. They beefed a lot on the field, off the field. There wasn't good chemistry there, basically. And that would be a pretty cool thing to be able to measure in these games. And guess what? In Mario Super Sluggers, there is a chemistry stat and it works. <laughs> Again, Nintendo outperforming EA in every way possible. I mean, that's just, that's making it more immersive, let's be real. I mean, you can't put Donkey Kong with the Kremlins, that just doesn't work. <laughs> Imagine trying to put Bowser and Mario on the same team. Well, they're both captains, so that's something that's not allowed. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Anyways, what I really do enjoy with these games, and we kind of hinted at this, is the creative player mode. I absolutely love it. When I was younger, I have like very fond memories of playing as myself in Madden 25 and breaking every quarterback record or every running back record in the books. And even to this day, I play MLB The Show's Road to the Show, and I make a guy who will play through the minor leagues, and I'm setting mini goals for myself. Like, oh, let's see if I can hit 500 this series. Oh, I haven't drawn walks. Let's see how many walks I can get this series. And it's just so much fun rooting for myself against the CPU. And I also like rooting for my CPU teammates. Like, okay, I just got a single... You can you can do this. Get me in. Oh, I know you're just dude. a computer, a bunch of numbers, but drive me in. You got this, big dog. You know like, how in a lot of RPGs, um, well, not a lot, there, there's RPGs where you might get random uh, party members, but you end up growing really attached to them as you go through. Is it like that mm-hmm. in these games where you get random teammates and you can just kind of, I don't know, make a bond with them? Dude, Trevor Plouffe is now with John Boy Media. He does... A couple podcasts with them really good personality i wish i could meet that man and tell him how much of a stud and friend of mine he was in mlb the show 2013 <laughs> like 
like Trevor Plouffe was my guy because he got traded to the Yankees, and at that point, I didn't care who I, I I only cared that I was playing for the Yankees. So Trevor Plouffe was my third baseman. I was the left fielder playing right behind him. Man, the amount of outfield assists I had at third base going to Trevor Plouffe was sick. Loved that. See, hearing hearing these super positive experiences with games like this, it just makes me sad that they have to uh, they have to dress it up with just the worst type of uh, business. Because the target audience, we established this. It's why sports games are bad. Mm-hmm. There's so many problems nowadays, because it's not just people who are like, I want to see who's going to be the best third baseman on my team. It's, okay, I've got to build the best team so that I can have a better team than my friends. And it's like keeping up with the Joneses. But not everybody has time to sink into Madden Ultimate Team or MLB's The Show's Diamond Dynasty. I just like, you know, smashing some home runs as a two-way player and seeing who the best player on my team is right now. Like, currently in my MLB The Show save on Switch, I got drafted by the Tampa Bay Rays. I don't like the Tampa Bay Rays, but I'll tell you what, I am pulling for my dude Yandy Diaz (laughs) right now. He was with me in the minor leagues, and now he's killing it in actual MLB, and I see it, and I'm like, Yandy Diaz is my boy. What a story. Even though I've never met him, but uh, I feel like I have. The minor leagues in the games, are do they reflect the real minor leagues, or do they just make up a bunch of teams? They reflect the real minor leagues. They have actual teams. They don't have the stadiums in there, um, mm. and it's kind of funny. The clubhouses like aren't as nice, like your backgrounds and stuff. And it's, it's so do so they have cool, like, but... the Mudcats and Durham Bulls? They do have the Durham Bulls. Unfortunately, the Mudcats are a single-A team, so they are not there. Ugh, they should put them in anyways. It's only the double-A teams and the triple-A teams, but it's it's fun. <laughs> I Actually, the Rays are affiliated with the Durham Bulls, and when I was playing as the Durham Bulls, I'm like, oh, what if they put that stadium in? I'd be like, oh, I know where that is. I drive past it a couple times a week for work. <laughs> if, Dur- if Durham Bulls stadium is not in the game, it needs to be, because I feel like of all the baseball stadiums I've been to, that one is kind of iconic. Like, if I saw a picture of it, I would know that is the Durham Stadium. It's so good. It's so good. I, I just absolutely love it. Do you have any thought, like, if you were to play a Road to the Show or uh, create a player in Madden, what, what do you think would be your main driving goal? Are you trying to be the best player ever, or are you just trying to vibe and figure out, like, oh, let's see what we can do to get this team to win? Uh, hearing more about the gameplay, uh, it's kind of piquing my interest in terms of experimenting. Uh, I would love to, I would love to make characters that are on like the very edge of being playable with some like super weird stats, just to see what happens. Like, maybe I want to <laughs> make a defender and see how freaking skinny I can make that guy. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Dude, that was like, uh, I was probably 15 or 16. It was one weekend. I was super bored. Me and all my friends, we made a team full of max height, max weight guys and gave <laughs> yeah. them like crazy stats. Yeah. Like we weren't playing anything serious. We were like literally adjusting the stats of these players to max them out and stuff. And we were doing all like the Simpsons prank call names, you know, Hugh Ass, Amanda <laughs> Hug and Kiss, Seymour Butts, all that stuff. Uh, I-, I need a bigger staff. <laughs> Anyways, real quick, just like a final little overview here. There is a place for these games in the modern gaming landscape, and they are enjoyable. There is an appeal to them, but they could be released and handled in a much more consumer-friendly way, and I'm genuinely looking forward to capturing and accompanying footage for the YouTube portion of these episodes, because I get joy out of playing these games. I'm looking forward to hooking my Switch up and playing MLB The Show and trying to see how many 
walks I can get in three games or whatever it is. I, I'm looking forward to that. You know what you're not looking forward to? Buying the next one. <laughs> I'm not going to buy the next one. I will not buy another MLB The Show unless they put another Yankee on the cover because that's another thing I can touch on real quick. Or a new console generation comes out. So yeah. <laughs> that's fun. Anyways, I think there are honestly good gaming experience here. And there's like, if you have even an inkling of a sports fandom, there is appeal to this. The way the devs handle the competitive team modes between the predatory practices and the idea that skill isn't necessarily the largest and only driving force in competitive play mm -hmm. is absolutely infuriating. It shouldn't be who's put the most time and money into the game this year. It should be who's mastered the gameplay and the mechanics. And then the next year comes and it starts all over. It's just absolutely infuriating and I, I don't like that. But God, cover athletes. I can't believe we didn't touch on this earlier. How familiar yeah. are you with the whole cover athlete thing? Um, from what I was able to look at yesterday, apparently they can be a big deal. Like, um, I don't know, sometimes it'll, they'll be real special with, oh my gosh, we have this guy on the cover this year. Uh, it, it must be a big honor to be on the cover, isn't it? In some cases, yes. In others, somewhat, no. I mean, in 2018... The cover was Aaron Judge, who had one of the best rookie seasons of all time. Should have won the MVP. Not my business. Sips tea. But, uh, like, people like me who are big fans of the Yankees and Aaron Judge want that game. And for Aaron Judge, it was probably a big deal. But there's also the curse of Madden. Madden's curse, whatever it is. I don't know the exact name that they use for it these days. But essentially, there have been a lot of players who appear on the cover after having amazing years and then disappear off the face of the earth. Whether it's for injuries or off-the-field stuff, it's crazy. Like Madden, no, not Madden, MLB The Show 2021, they put Fernando Tatis Jr. on the cover of that game. He got suspended for using steroids this year. I'm Whether gonna... he's guilty or not, not my business, but it's a bad look. Yeah. I'm going to drop the one football name I know, because I, I learned it when I was forced to do fantasy football. Odell Beckham Jr., right? Yes. He was on the cover he just turned out to be weird. that amazing catch, that amazing play, way back in 28? When, when was 15, that? 15, I think. And then, as far as I know, it just kind of meh after that, right? Yeah, I mean... He was still talented, but there was some off-the-field stuff. He's just kind of a quirky dude, and it never really worked out. But, I mean, looking back, Madden 19, they had Antonio Brown on the cover. He's battled a whole bunch of mental health stuff that's just absolutely crazy. Looking back on it, I don't even know if he's in the league anymore. It's it's absurd. I mean, Brady's been on it a few times. He doesn't count. I mean, Rob Gronkowski appeared on it in 17 after having a really good 16. I think he was kind of like, I'm hurt. I'm going to retire. He's back now, so that's different. Odell Beckham, he's just kind of trailed off. I mean, Richard Sherman, he kind of trailed off. They put Adrian Peterson on the cover of Madden 20, Madden 25, which came out in 2014. It was the 25th anniversary. Adrian Peterson's got some, uh, some stuff. He had some injuries that year following it, but he turned out to beat his kid with a stick. Oh. Which, yeah, they yeah. don't like that. Brett Favre was on the cover once, right? Yes, Brett Favre was on the cover of Madden 09. He actually, he tailed off pretty hard after that, I believe. I think he had some injuries and whatnot, then went to the Vikings. In recent that. news, he's in there for completely different reasons. Literal political <laughs> corruption, but that's oh, none goodness. of my business. What a funny oh, turn of events. It's terrible. Okay. 
Yeah, it's rough. I mean, Donovan McNabb is another one. He appeared on the cover and then had an ACL injury the next season. I mean, Ray Lewis, he didn't get any interceptions after appearing on the cover, I think. I don't know. There's a whole bunch of stuff with this. It's it's a mess. This but anyways, a, cover athletes are a selling point. Yeah, This isn't a, a very good closing thing for me to ask, but I remembered uh, the thing I forgot about earlier. Oh, go for it. Um, old, old sport games, even like Madden, didn't they used to have cheats, like big head mode and stuff like that? Like just fun stuff? I believe that they did. I don't think they're as prominent nowadays. That's sad. But I do believe that there definitely were some Madden cheat codes. It's it's crazy. <laughs> they need to bring that back. Any, anything goofy, I like. I love stuff like that. Like, I used to be big <clears throat> into some Blizzard games, and they'd always do fun, like, April Fool's stuff. I, I just love anything tacky like that. Mm -hmm. It's cool. Nowadays, with all the hacking and stuff, people hear cheats, and they're like, Bang him! <laughs> well, nowadays, it's all about mods. If you're on PC. Oh, shoot. I mean, it, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Anyways, let's kind of let's kind of round this up. Tidy this up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Tidy up the fact that you don't have wrists and the fact that you smell and all that other fun stuff. What? <laughs> Anyways, like I was saying here before I, I was really no interrupted by laughter. Me. Nope, nobody. Uh, <laughs> sports games exist. Sports games are fun. They are. Sports games are handled poorly mm -hmm. they use some predatory predatory practices they release annually when they don't need to but at the core of them they are fun experiences that are marketed very very well for an audience that's not necessarily hardcore gamers yeah uh, i really i think the the audience deserves better i feel like rather than i don't know I, sometimes the focus is too much on on how are they supposed to make their money and stuff like that. I, I feel like it sh it sh games like this should start with what is the best experience our, our players can have, and then it should go from there. And obviously, with these games nowadays, that just doesn't happen. It's so sad. All right, well, thank you guys for listening to this week's edition of the Analog Sticks podcast. I think that's going to do it for us. This was a little bit of a different episode. We're going to try to mix these in as, believe it or not, but playing a different game every single week to its in its entirety <laughs> is not exactly feasible. No, not, not a bit enough more than we can choose. Especially there. now that I'm in class. Ugh. Yeah, so expect some more stuff like this where we dive into design philosophies and whatnot. But I'm going to go ahead and leave you guys with a list of every single sports game I have ever owned. We will see you next week on Analog Sticks. Bye-bye. Peace. Okay, I've got Madden 05 for the GameCube, Madden 09 for the Wii, Madden 25 for the PS3, Madden 15 for the PS3, Madden 16 for the PS4, Madden 17 for the PS4. As you can tell, I had a little bit of a phase there. I also had MVP Baseball 2005 for the GameCube, which is widely regarded as one of the best baseball video games ever. Backyard Baseball 2009 for the Wii, MLB 2K10 for the PS3, MLB The Show 13, MLB The Show 17, MLB The Show 18, MLB The Show 21, probably a couple different NHL games. I know I've got NHL 16 